is going on, Suns fans? Justin, you know what? No, forget it. Hold on. Stop. 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 I am so excited. It's almost basketball season, Paul. Skip it. Skip, skip it. it. Skip it. Skip it. Skip it. Skip it. I don't want to do that whole thing. Oceans over air, airway, airplanes. You eat all yada, yada, yada. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're you yada, yada in the intro? Blah, 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 blah. Yes, I'm yada, yada, yada-ing the intro. Let's talk about the fact that we are, what, less than 10 it's days away from basketball? It's basketball. Can we? It's almost basketball. Now I feel like I should restart <laughs> because of that, but I won't because I was beautiful. It is hey, some people best. like my singing. It Most people don't. Shar. Shar is the only person that likes your singing. My son hates my singing. Perfect. That's my <laughs> point exactly. Dude, 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 dude. Dude. It is almost Sweet. basketball season. It Sweet. Is almost. Stop. Stop trying to put me on tangents. It is almost basketball season, Paul. We are through the FIBA, if you will, World Cup. Okay, Dave. Thank you, Dave King. Shout out. And we are on the precipice of actually watching this Suns team finally turn into <laughs> whatever it is the Suns team is going to turn into, right? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It will be interesting. And we're going to talk in this episode of Fanning the Flames about this how- once a quarter episode, mind you. Once. <laughs> Dave. It has kind of been a quarter. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Just because we keep people wanting more, don't fault us for that. Don't fault us for that. We're we are a rare gem. A rare commodity. A rare commodity in Suns. We're not corn. Podcast. We're not wheat. We're oil. Hmm. Okay. We, we are a precious commodity. So this episode, we're going to talk about, well, today was Suns Media Day. Yeah, it was. Today is also International Podcast Day. Oh, okay. And Paul and I were not at Media Day. No. But we've been looking at what people said about Media Day. (laughs) And listening to what they've said about Media Day. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about that. We're going to give our hot take on the New Jerseys. (laughs) Hate them. um, (laughs) Are we done with that? (laughs) No. I mean, I I can get into how much I hate stuff a lot. A lot. (laughs) You do that a lot. (sighs) Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about um, DeAndre Ayton <laughs> at the four, and yeah. we'll talk about whatever else might come into our demented little minds over the next 45 minutes to an hour or and 45 minutes, minutes, depending <laughs> on how we feel. Based on how we've started, I feel like this could go a while. Hey, so guess what, folks? Strap in. Maybe pour yourself a drink. We may have drink. an intermission. I hope it's – if it's the morning, don't pour yourself a drink. But, you know... If it's the morning, pour yourself a Fuck drink. it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> fine. Fine. We have to remember to take breaks, though. Contractually obligated. Okay. Yes. So, so... Let's start Should we the, take a break now? No, 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 no. Let's start with the New Jerseys. Yeah. Okay. Paul. Dumpster fire. <laughs> Outside of dumpster fire, I don't know what else to ask you. <laughs> Why Why are the New Jersey's dumpster fire? Because they're lazy. They are lazy. But why are they lazy, Paul? Because I'm not that artistic and I could have designed those jerseys. How long do you think it took for them to come up with those? I Five minutes? I feel like you give them no, way too much credit. I, I think my problem is they probably went through 
bunch of designs. And I bet a bunch of them were awesome. To come up with, oh, let's just invert the colors of our away jersey, get rid of the word Phoenix, and replace it with the old logo, which looks weird when you center it when it's a logo that's designed to be at an angle. Huh. What if they, what if they, it's a 45 degree, 45 degree angle going south to north, right? Yeah. What if they made it a 45 degree angle north to south? So, so it goes from being a sun rising to a meteor yes. crashing into the earth. To, <laughs> Which would be a perfect, a perfect, a perfect analogy. Is that the right, is that the right, uh, Sure. Terminology for for the Suns franchise over the past nine years. It was it was the sun was rising for the first forty two years of the franchise, and now it is a cratering uh, meteor sent to destroy the Earth. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like we've come up with something. What if what if they put like the NBA logo towards the? I guess it would be east. So it's crashing into the NBA. So we're blowing up the NBA with this new Suns franchise. We're, we're lighting said dumpster on fire. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. What, what, and if you can, if you can. Yeah. And I, I didn't pose this to you before the podcast, so I apologize. Yeah. But if you can, can you describe for the listeners what you would have liked the new Suns uniform to look like? Well, first off... And can we also, whatever you describe, can you sketch it out so we can post it along with this? Because that would be freaking glorious. I could. I, I could try. And go. So, first off, not a fan of orange. As a, pro, as a base color. I let's, like it as an accent. Let's put that aside. Let's so put that aside. So, are we just going to say that it's going to stay, stay orange? orange? Let's stay orange. Stay orange? Okay. Well, I mean, you could easily just make these jerseys that exist... Already a billion times better if you took a word, even like whether you put Phoenix or PHX or whatever you want to do, low suns, whatever you want to do. No low suns. Yeah, I don't like the low suns. Um, in purple, bright purple, just right there, super pops off the orange. It contrasts because right now with the sunburst logo, which is also orange, but a different orange. On an orange jersey. Less orange, if you will. It's just, it's a little much going on there with the orange, but like a nice bright purple, like the like the um, the stripes going down the side and whatnot, would really, really pop. And I think that would look actually pretty solid. It'd probably be the best orange jersey the Suns have had. Because that's the other problem I have with orange jerseys, at least particularly orange Suns jerseys. They've all kind of sucked. Yeah. yeah. Like, they've all been... Dumpster fires of dumpster fires. Let's can we can we can we comment about how you thought that maybe the Suns' new jerseys and uniforms were going to be, be black, black and white with with white pant, white shorts and a black jersey. I did have legit, I have thoughts in my you, brain that you, how that could look good. Did you legit think that? Well, there's something wrong with you. Am I wrong? I <laughs> have legit thoughts how that could look good. Not with like full on white shirt, white shorts, and a full on black jersey, but there, there's something that could be done there that would actually, I think, look really cool. Actually, I think a, a black jersey could look cool. I know some people are kind of against black jerseys. Are we already eliminating the white shorts though? In their entirety, yes. 
I feel like you're going to say Again, no. you, you want me to sh- to design this jersey I, and we'll you, put, put you it up. You know what? You know what? Forget. <laughs> Stop talking about it. Just just, just design it. Just design it and let you see my I, wonderfulness. I, oh, I can't wait. <laughs> Give me a moment. Okay, got it? I can't you wait. Yes. Okay. But, I mean, those pictures, that jersey, it did look... Well, actually, well, legit question. Why were they in their purple jerseys with the white shorts i am super confused by that i don't know and then why would they post those pictures i know it's a fair question ask ask because like it, it messes with your head you know you know what i bet it legitimately I bet, did maybe they did that to mess with your head paul because that is their goal in life is to mess with my head they got one person that's not got, that hard to do they got one person talking about it yes mission accomplished here's what i think they should have done and we're assuming Base color orange. Okay. Just take the pre-Barkley era jerseys. Mm-hmm. And purple Phoenix, orange jersey, purple numbers, boom. That's it. Simple, classic, yet yet modern. Yes. I mean, purple <laughs> Phoenix or purple Suns? Well, Phoenix. It, it Phoenix. Phoenix. So oh, always said it was Phoenix. Okay. Phoenix across the chest. Gotcha. That's it. All right. Because then you get the orange that you want as as a franchise for whatever fucking reason, reason they want that. Yeah. And you have. His always bring a, back gray. A hint of classic. They can bring back what? Gray. Oh, gray. No, let's mm. not do that. Well, because so, like the, the one thing that I kind of, I feel like, in the, list of. Designers that Nike has or Adidas had or whatever. I know it's Nike now. To help create these alternate jerseys. For some reason, the Suns always draw the short... They're in kindergarten? Hmm? Oh, I thought, I thought you were going to say they're in kindergarten. Because... Well, they draw the short straw and get the kindergartner. There you go. <laughs> to design the uh, of everybody else. Whereas, because I mean, some of those, uh, like, other, other teams have really creative... Designers, the Miami Heat, the Miami Heat. I mean, the Minnesota Timberwolves. I mean, those fucking purple rain jerseys. Oh, were fantastic! So sick. I'm not even a fan of either of those teams. Obviously, I would. If I was a jersey guy, I would probably wear those. I would probably wear those. Why not? I mean, there was that one, the OKC one that they did that was like very. It was geometric. It wasn't. I know what you're saying. It was. Cre- it wasn't like my favorite jersey, but it was creative. All right. Our jerseys have never really been creative. Never. Like I mean, the the last year's having the Arizona flag on the short that was kind of cool. I like those short. Those shorts. Those were shorts sick. were sick, those are but the jersey itself was, was 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 super lame. Because because the NBA had this whole thing within the past decade where they're like los whatever team, and the Suns are the and only ones that have stuck with it. <laughs> Why? 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 Forgive me for Ask saying why. this. Forgive me for saying this. Seems a little racist. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying it does. Okay? Okay? That's it. I'll leave it at that. Let's stop talking about jerseys, though. Okay? All right. We don't need to talk about jerseys anymore until the next time the Suns come out with another jersey that we both think are atrocious. So next year? Yeah, probably. Although people have said, like, oh, we kind of like it. I, I've heard. I've heard it looks better in person, whatever that means. It looks better on a real person than on a mannequin. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess that's... Because, uh, I mean, that's what they all wore for the... Uh, yeah, it, I, I, I still felt they look shitty. Like, they still look super bad. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. And not like the movie Super Bad. I mean, you know good, what could have been like, kind of cool? Super bad, super bad. Is you have a guy who's kind of really interested in like designing clothes and things like that on the team. You know, how cool would that be if you say, "Hey, we brought in our guy who's got legit style, legit clout," hmm. and be like, "You help us design this jersey." I like that idea. What if what if the Suns? Why doesn't the jersey say "Fucking Valley Boys"? <laughs> oh. That'd be great. And looks like a cactus. <laughs> Look at it like this. How about the Suns from now on say, we will not agree that any jersey will be a Phoenix Suns jersey unless the players sign off on it. Because the Suns players got some swag. They do. They, they know what's going I, on. NBA players these days have swag. I mean, it's not the 80s. They, they know what's going on. All Clearly. Right. Off, off, off. Off the jersey. Way too much jersey talk. So much jersey talk. Well, we've got so much else to talk about. So much else to talk about. People are either going to love or hate this episode. <laughs> Which is different <laughs> from every other episode because... I just feel like the people who normally love our episodes are going to hate this one and <laughs> normally hate That implies stuff. that there are people that love our episodes. Hmm. All right. So, okay. What do you want to talk about next, Paul? What do you want to talk about next? Oh, Jesus. Okay. Let's talk about something that <clears throat> I feel... Like, has not been discussed enough, although, Paul, as we were getting ready for this beforehand, you tell me it has been. I'm going to assume that you're wrong, and I'm going to go ahead and delve (laughs) into this anyway. One topic. Looking at the new players on this Suns team that I feel like has not been out there enough is Aaron Baines' ability to stretch the floor. The guy can shoot the three. He can. And I feel like a lot more pub should be given to that fact than has been given to it. Well, let's I, look at Linda. Hold on. Let's, let's go to a comment he made today during Suns Media Day. He said that he's been locked in on, quote unquote, locked in on, quote, locked in on, end quote, shooting the three over the past few years under Brad Stevens. He said that Brad Stevens kind of gave him that freedom, said, I want you to shoot this three. And you look at his stats over the past five, six, seven years. Seven years he's been in the NBA. First five seasons in the NBA. He's been in the NBA for seven years? Yeah, well, well, he played overseas for a little bit before he got in the NBA. Anyway, first five years in the NBA, can you – Tell me how many threes you think he shot. I know you looked at it already, so you should know this. Seven. Seven. Seven threes. Seven threes in five years. His sixth year, which is the year before this last season. The year of our Lord, 2018? 2017-18, but yes. Can you tell me how many threes he shot that year? Two years ago? Yes. Do the math because you know the 21. 21 is right. Good job, Paul. Can you tell me how many threes he shot last year then? 61. 61. 61. I knew it was in the 60s. And he shot 34.4% from three-point range. He made 21, which is a weird coincidence that he shot 21 the year before and then made 21 the year after. That is a weird coincidence. Well done. Then, during the FIBA FIBA World (laughs) Cup— He took 
21 attempts in eight games, which is an average of just below three per game. Yeah, just a bit. And he shot 52.4%. And I get it. It's a shorter three-point line. But let's assume it's like and a it's, 52.4. And it's, and it's lesser competition. It really, yeah, sure. Yep, yep. Until <laughs> that's the USA team. <laughs> um, let's, well, they were lesser competition, too. Even 52.4%. Let's assume, okay, you, you step it back a foot, foot and a half, whatever it is. You're still looking at probably a high 30% shooter, right? Right. Why don't we talk about that more? Why do we not acknowledge the fact that Aaron Baines is not only coming in to be a beautifully accented, wonderfully bearded, wonderfully bearded, tough guy, but at the same time, he is going to have the ability to stretch the floor. And I think this plays in part into what we're going to talk about a little bit later as well, and that is Aitman playing the floor. Because I think that James Jones has developed this roster to make sure it has big guys who are capable of stretching the floor. He's starting to play more into the current status of the NBA than perhaps prior regimes have. Okay. So why why are they not talking about Aaron Baines? Whatever you want to talk about right now, Paul. Well, for that, I think because it's been... Even last year, shooting 61 of them, I mean, that's still a, it's... It's not a lot. It's not a lot. But... He sh- and but he shot an okay percentage at it. It's enough to keep a defense honest. It is enough to keep a defense honest, yes. So, and he's, I mean, he's, it's not like he's a perimeter guy. So... Let's assume, let's assume the starting lineup is... Rubio, mm-hmm. Booker, uh-huh. Bridges slash Ubre, whoever you want that to be. Yeah. Aiton and Baines. Based on our conversation right now, oh. before we get into the Aiton stuff, okay. you have four guys that well, maybe not Rubio. You have three. Actually, he shot really well during the FIBA tournament too. Right. Well okay, <laughs> fair. But you have three guys, three and a half, maybe four guys. Who are going to have to keep defenses honest, right? right? I feel like that's a brilliant, brilliant way to set up this team's starting five. But, and but, and we know they brought in guys who are going to be coming off the bench who can also shoot the three. Right. Well, to... to I'm so to, optimistic. To jump ahead a little bit, you don't need to have... Outside of very specific situations where you're playing against a team that plays large, like the Los, Los Angeles Lakers, playing Aiton at the starting Aiton and Baines is really unnecessary because we have Saric, who allows Aiton to play that five while also while clearly having more proven ability to play that outside more. Um, what it's not power forward, it's a stretch four. And and I will say I got a little overzealous there. I did say Aiton and Baines, but put either Baines or Aiton in a lineup with the three one the, the one through three guys. 
Right. And put in Sarge at the four. Either way. Right. Same, same, same conclusion. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm all for everybody on the court being able to shoot a three. I don't want all they do is shoot threes. Sure. But from the standpoint of whether it's Baines or Aiton getting the rebound, throwing it up, trailing, getting that top of the key three because they, they came in and it was wide open. I'm really, I'm perfectly fine with that. I'm perfectly fine with, you know, them put playing the perimeter a little bit more on offense, maybe to allow for Ruby or Booker to penetrate a little bit more to, and also pulling the center out right. to allow for a little more space periodically. I'm all for that. So having the ability to stretch the floor at all positions is a great thing. And the, and at the end of the day, depending on what rotations we see, if we look right now, though, at the starting lineup again, I apologize. I got ahead of myself. If we're talking about Aiton starting at the five, Sarge starting at the four, Baines comes in for Aiton at the five or for, for, for um, Sarge at the four, or Aiton steps in the four, Baines comes in the five, whatever the case whatever. might be. You're still going to be looking at a situation where the Suns have the ability to stretch the floor all across the board, right? At any given point in time, given you know the fact that maybe there will be some certain lineups where I don't know, Cheek Diallo plays. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Does he shoot the three? Maybe. Maybe. Why not? Why not? Why not? Who Javon knows? Carter? Maybe not. I, I, okay. <laughs> that seems seems like an unnecessary shot, but at any rate. Before we go on to the next topic, because I feel like we've done this one enough justice, yes? Sure. Let's take a quick break. All right. Let's get into DeAndre Ayton playing the four. Yes. You know what, Can Paul? I read you a quote real quick? God, please do. From James Jones. Look up her page. That started this whole dust up because apparently people can't read or listen. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. <laughs> this year, we have from Frank, Dario, Cheek. We can play DeAndre, DeAndre at power forward if we need to with Aaron Baines at, as our center. We have a lot of depth at that position. That was his quote. Why did he say Frank first? That, <laughs> that's a whole other question. <laughs> yeah, Maybe because he saw Frank in the gym like five minutes before. <laughs> he's like, oh, he's right there. He's right there. Okay, <laughs> yeah. let's talk about him first. He's like, okay. but... Don't the, read into that part is what you're saying. No, the, the part people seem to forget. The Suns fans weren't like, what? No, that was brought up. That oh, was, was legit really? brought up. Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, why was Frank the first one that was brought up? But I, I, I love most of you Suns fans. Most of you. There are certain pockets that I, I, I could do without. Anyway, Paul, go anyway, on, go on, go on. Pe- it seems that everybody is leaving out this very crucial phrase in that quote. If we need to. Mm-hmm. This was not this was not a statement saying we're playing DeAndre Ayton exclusively at power forward. At least this was 24 not, minutes a game. We are completely shifting our entire philosophy and making this guy we drafted at center who is 7 foot 2 and is perfectly suited to play the center in the current set NBA two power forwards so we can play Aaron Baines or some other giant lumbering stiff at at center like the 1990s. No, that is not what we are saying. But 
in some cases, like I referenced prior, where we have other teams who duplicate to the whims of their stars because those stars are idiots, like the Los Angeles Lakers and Anthony Davis, <laughs> who refuses to play center, though that is his his most um, appropriate appropriate and most probably successful position in the current NBA. Or um, well, who else was it who was also doing that? Well, I mean, previously. Um, Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett were similarly treated like this, but again, this was in that was in the '90s and early 2000s, where it was mm-hmm. semi okay. We are not doing that with our star, but when we play those teams, we may. All right. And that was the point of James Jones' quote. That was the point of DeAndre Ayton's response: is he has played that position, he did play that position until he grew to a freaking seven foot two. Well, and, 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 and to get some context. As and he U- also played U of A, where they had that stupid lumbering center. That's what I was going to say. As a <laughs> U of A guy, he played the four because they had Dusan Rissic. Where is he? In Europe somewhere, I'm assuming. And realistically, Aiton probably should have played the five back then, too. But hey, you know what? Whatever. We're not going to get into that. I'm not going to question Sean Miller outside of, you know, the whole... Losing in the first round thing? FBI investigation, whatever, that too. It's fine. Um, but, 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 I've brought up in this pod, or maybe we've brought up. I'll say we've brought yeah. up, Paul. We've said in the past, no qualms with Aiton playing the four. None. Periodically. Because at the end of the, right, right. Periodically. Because at the end of the day, <clears throat> when you look at him compared to a quote-unquote quintessential five, he has more athleticism, he has better ball-handling skills, and as much as Suns fans might not want to admit it just yet, he does have more range. And there's really no harm in him playing minutes at the four. Am I saying that I want Aiton to start at the four? No. Not at all. You did say it earlier in the episode. Did I say I want him to... Oh, well, inadvertently. <laughs> if he started at the four, I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be entirely against it as long as he wasn't playing the majority of his minutes at the four. How about that? Um, but at the end of the day, he has a skill set that can accommodate him being at the four spot. And ultimately, if, like you said, it's against teams that put in lineups where a guy who could be at the five traditionally plays the four or two guys at the four and five that are more hybrid type players, then there's really no harm in doing it. And I think the one thing that people haven't looked into or looked at it from this perspective is, is, is this, this is Aiton wanting to become a better player. He wants to be as good as he can be. And if he has the ability to step out and shoot the three, if he has the ability to play on the perimeter a little bit more often, why are we faulting him for wanting to do that? I, I, I for one, always felt that I, I wish Amari would have been able to, like, given the opportunity been given the green light to step out and shoot the three marks i really think i mean he had that 18 to 20 footer down yeah i did you really think he can't hit it if he steps back another two three feet uh, apparently there are some guys who can't 
Well, I, I, I feel like, you know, I will, I will share this. I remember it was probably the, I don't know, maybe the 09 year, 010, 010, is that a thing? 010, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Dave said it in the one last of, one, one of the well. years that the Sun, the, one of the years the Suns lost the Spurs in playoffs. Was, <laughs> one of oh, those years. Yeah. Um, when they were when the, the when the last game of that playoff series was kind of in are already determined, Amari yeah. hit a three, and I was like, "Whoa, that's what he should be doing next season. Work on that so he can do that more regularly next season." Never, never happened. Now, is it because Amari couldn't do it? Maybe, but at the same time, a guy that can hit that three should be given the opportunity to step out and hit that three because it just gives. Him, especially a guy like Aiton, who has obviously an already nicely refined interior game, just one more aspect of his game that other teams have to be prepared for and have to worry about. Right. And that helps the entire team offensively. Yeah? Yeah. Well, and I lost my train of thought. Sorry. And you got anything else <laughs> to give me a sec to figure it no, out? I, I'm pretty sure I've laid out as much as I can about DeAndre Ayton playing the four and shooting three. I mean, and, and okay, hold on, I'll go a step further. He has an outside. Oh, I remember he, my point. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so the, the other thing I find funny about this whole conversation is it's interesting how sometimes how a lot of NBA fans talk out of both sides of their mouth a little bit about mm. – so much of the NBA right now has been all about becoming positionless basketball. Unless you're a point guard or a center, apparently. Then you have to be very defined. It's just between the two and the four, everybody should be able to intersperse. Why can't some of that positionlessness be between the four and the five or the one and the two or whatever you want there? You know, getting back to Booker's point or whatnot. So, and again, it's not... That because arguably one thing that could come out of this is Aiden has shown flashes of being a in spurts being a decent uh, perimeter defender. Right. That's so. A, that's an excellent so I point. mean the ability to switch onto a perimeter player as a center or as a power forward could be beneficial, particularly when you're playing guy. When you, ha- I mean, he's already shown he played really well, really good defense against Giannis and LeBron. Two guys who play that power forward, even small forward position. Also, two players who want to play a position that's not really their probably best suited in right. the modern NBA position. Um, which is really funny. Well, well, <laughs> the amount of players who want to play a certain position and should play a different right. position in the NBA is hilarious. <laughs> well, and to that point, for everybody out there who hates on Aiton's defense down low he i think arguably as we sit here right now is a better perimeter defender than a than 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 a down low defender right right so shouldn't those people be embracing the concept theoretically theoretically logically if also logically yes yes. (laughs) if you were to do that though i would arguably like to pair him with another front court player who is better as a down low defender. I don't know if the Suns have that. Aaron Baines? Yes, but 
he is not a shot blocker. We don't really have a good. Do you have to be a sh- Do you have to be a shot blocker to be a good low post defender? No, no. But there's low post defense, and there's just you know interior defense, and there's do. Go on. You're, don't mind my. Don't mind my. Don't you're mind defending my, guys don't down mind my on obnoxious the, chuckling. <laughs> defending guys down on the post versus being a threat against guards coming into. The painted eyes. I see what you're saying. See, thank, thank you. Now my obnoxious chuckling seems less uh, on point. Yeah. Um, but no, I. You know, ultimately, th- this team. We can sit here. We, we can sit here. Suns Twitter can sit there. Everyone can debate what the Suns are or are not going to be. What DeAndre Ayton is and is not going to be. What Aaron Baines is and is not going to be. What Frank Kaminsky is and is not going to be. There's no is. <laughs> Ultimately, we don't know what they're going to be until they step onto that court, which is forthcoming. And in a fortnight, and <laughs> or less, and and I've said this before. I will say it again on this podcast. I am more optimistic about this sun mm-hmm. season than I have been about a sun season in a long time. Different team. Completely different team. Completely different team. team. I agree. This is – the optimism I've had in prior years was, in hindsight, irrational. (laughs) Okay. This year, I think it is less irrational. (laughs) (laughs) And that is – that is what it is to be a Suns fan. But I think – and I think – If you can be less (laughs) irrational than you've been in the past – because I have legitimate defenses for it in that they have legitimate NBA players, which is really that's that's the whole thing. They have, you know, instead of this, who's our starting point guard? The MVP of the FIBA tournament. Exactly. Um, Ricard Rubio. <laughs> exactly. No, that but I brought that up only to prove your point. The worst mm-hmm. signing in free agency, according to certain people in either the media or some other voting body that means nothing. What's the what's what's the moral of this whole discussion, Paul? The sons are great. Okay. I'm the I, way to greatness. I'm, 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 I'm very optimistic. <laughs> Let's calm down with that. But the moral of this story is the sons have improved. The sons have pieces. That they can move around to accomplish whatever goal it might be that they have. They and, have, and and I say that I say that meaning not meaning obviously the goal is to win a title, but I'm saying within the construct of this team and this season, we can look at multiple different angles, saying this is what the Suns are trying to do, or this is what the Suns are trying to do. But they've put in place pieces that give them the opportunity and the ability to accomplish whatever goal that might be. If they want to stretch the floor and have enough guys out there at any given time that will give them to be able to do that, they've accomplished that with this roster, as this is on paper. If they want to play a game where they've got at least one or two guys who are going to be presences down low at any given time, they've put on paper together a roster that's going to give them the ability to do that so if they want to go small with a bunch of switchy rangy defender guys who can all shoot the three 
and also can create. They have the ability to do that. So we as Suns fans, this is a message. This is a message to Suns Twitter. Because I've been outspoken about Suns Twitter. (laughs) Thankfully, I've not gotten the backlash that perhaps I could have in the past. And possibly deserved at certain points. (laughs) Definitely deserved at certain points. This is a message to people out there on Suns Twitter or anywhere who doubt every single move the Suns make. Come at me, bro. Yeah, come at me. That wasn't the message, but yes, come at me. Tell me why I'm wrong. But at the same time, let this new regime, let this new roster, let this new coach have their opportunity to show you what they can do and what they plan on doing before you fly off the handle and automatically assume just worst say case scenario. everything is horrible. The Suns did this. I can't believe the Suns. Ricky Rubio. Oh my God. Rick, we've been pining for a point guard for a decade. A decade. We got a point guard. Everyone's like, oh, they signed Ricky Rubio. That's what they're going to do. What else you... All right. Let's take a break. I, I'm going to get all mad. Let's take You're a break. You're gonna? That, that wasn't mad. I wasn't, I wasn't mad yet. I'm working up to mad. <laughs> I love you, sons. Paul. Yeah. Last two segments. Okay. Your call first. Go. What are the options? I don't know. You tell me. Um, what are we looking to see come out of training camp? Oh. It's very broad. Yes, it is. Yes. What, what are you looking to see come out of training camp? Um, I'm just looking to see how the roster shake or the, the rotation shakes out. Um, you think you think it's gonna come out of training camp though? I mean, I well, I guess n- the initial like thoughts of it probably will be of like, I mean, obviously we have a pretty good idea minus one position in the starting lineup of who's we gonna, we know who the first six are. We know who the first six are, and we probably know who the first. We know that we know the top eight of the team. Okay, but I'm anticipating a ten man rotation, probably. Maybe even I don't think we'll get into twelve on a regular basis, but ten man rotation. So who who steps up and gets those last two spots? I mean, I know it's kind of it's kind of stupid to be like, okay, who's your ninth and tenth man? But I mean, those guys can be pretty important. And just who? And even though like. Ninth and ten man will probably only get like ten minutes apiece. Who gets who's gonna get those spots? Who's, oh, okay. I mean, this isn't Dan Tony where they play seven guys. Okay. Well, okay. Six. Let's you. let's let's establish a little baseline here. Yo. We got our first six. Yup. We've got Rubio, uh-huh. Booker, Bridges slash Ubre. Yup. Ayton. Yup. Sarich. Yup. Baines. Yup. And Johnson, Tyler Johnson. Yeah. Okay. That's your top eight. So then, who are realistically, from your perspective, in play for the last? We'll go ten deep. Okay. So, I think there's a possibility that we would have have somebody who's a more traditional-ish power forward getting minutes. So it'll be interesting to see if they want to get if the Suns want to go with Kaminsky for the shooting, 
or Diallo for more of like the defense kind of shot blocking? Because Diallo is really the only. I mean, Aiton has the potential, but he hasn't really shown it yet to be a shot blocker. Diallo has. So if we want, if we need that defensive change of pace, and that's what we're looking for in that second unit, I could see him possibly sneaking in and getting that power forward spot. The uh, the other spot that I think we could see um, somebody getting minutes is the the point guard spot. Really, I mean, because obviously Tyler Johnson is kind of entrenched there as a combo guard, so. He can play either the one or the two, and there's a possibility that, like, you know, depending on the lineup structure, um, Bridges could or Ubre could shift to the two, more so Bridges. But I think there's an opening there for, like, maybe about 10 minutes a game at the point guard spot. And it'd be interesting to see if, like, Ty Jerome or, uh, is able to secure that spot, or does Akobo weirdly shine? And maybe take that spot. I don't know. He may not even be on the roster. Um, Javon Carter, I keep forgetting he's on the team, but maybe he shows something because they want something maybe from a more defensive perspective, similar to what uh, Melton used to give us last season. Um, So, you know, we have a lot of point guards on the roster. That's weird. You know, you think one of them is going to crack their, like, you know, what, 11 through 14 on the roster is point guards. Yeah. (laughs) I, I, you know, and... I see. I see the Suns looking at you know if we're if we're going, you know the additional two deep, three yeah. deep. I think that Ty Jerome's absolutely going to get minutes. I he's just he, he's too perfect for this system. <laughs> the system. I don't know what the system is. Yeah, <laughs> but he's too perfect in in terms of what he brings to the table to not earn minutes right he as we've said on this pod and has been you know publicized elsewhere he came in as quite possibly the best pick and roll guard in the draft this year the kid can shoot the kid has a winning pedigree and i can absolutely see him getting minutes in that in that backcourt when we start looking at the mix of Kaminsky, Diallo, and you didn't mention him, but Cam Johnson. Yeah, I, I just thought of that, yeah. I, I I think it depends on how, frankly, the year's going to a certain extent. Well, yeah, but, but also I'm, how I'm, they, I'm thinking how about they, how but they but show. who gets the spot but how they coming out of training camp. Like, you know, if they, we're going to go 10 deep. They, they, they brought in Kaminsky, obviously. Diallo came in late. I think that needs to be taken into account. That doesn't mean I think it needs to be taken into account. If they wanted, if they wanted, if they wanted Diallo in front of Kaminsky, then Diallo would have been in before Kaminsky. Again, that's management, not coaching. But but I I think from my perspective, I would give Cam Johnson minutes over both those guys. I could see that. I just would. But again, we look at it from the perspective of. What is what does a team need at any given time? And Kaminsky, while he's, I won't say known as, but came in as a guy who can shoot three, he's shown less ability to do that as of late. I, yeah, that's really the only thing he's really shown he's been able to do. That's why he's off his rookie rookie deal. 
Yeah, I feel like you're. I mean, he, not he didn't get correctly didn't, what his three point shooting percentages have been as of late. What, like thirty four? I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you know, ultimately, it, 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 it turns into. <laughs> woo, it turns into one of those things where, again, what are you looking for? If if Cam Johnson and Frank Kaminsky, for example, can bring the same thing to the table, why right. would you play Johnson over, or why would you play Kaminsky over Johnson? At the same time, then the question becomes: Can can Johnson really get to the level, or does he have the ability to get into that four spot in the NBA? Right. If you're looking at him as a three, then then he's he's out of the rotation, way <laughs> down the bench. He's out of the rotation until somebody gets injured. But I, I, I think, and this kind of maybe perhaps it goes back to the point that I was making earlier, and that is the Suns have pieces that they can plug in based on what they want to do and what the situation is. Right, and they've got weirdly got depth. Yeah, I like, mean, I mean, we've said that in the past, but a lot of that was potential and hope. But I mean, at certain positions, you know, you can out outside of losing Booker or probably Aiton, you know, there's somebody who can you can fill whatever role needs to be filled. You know, right. God forbid, rookie Rubio goes down, Johnson can fill in. Johnson played. Moderately well, and the Suns had some of their best success last season when they had that lineup of when both Ubre and Johnson were playing. Right. So you could spell Rubio for a bit if he gets injured, and then that would be it'd be interesting because clearly Ty Jerome would get the backup minutes in, at that point. So it'd be interesting to see what he brings to the table mm-hmm. in a situation like that. Um, on the forward spot, you're you know like the. The wing spot. I mean, we're not sure who's gonna win the win the job, whether it's Mikhail or uh, Ubre. So clearly, which if one of those guys goes down, the other one's there, right? And you know, we can figure out the the backup. You know, that's where Cam Johnson could theoretically come in. I think ultimately you're gonna come out of training camp looking at when you're when you're looking at at least the the, the front court. I think Kaminsky is going to be the guy, even though, like I said, I would rather give minutes to Johnson, but ultimately, much better. Paul just showed me a depiction from Twitter of a Suns jersey that would have been way better than what they put out. But anyway, um, and you can say whoever that came from in a moment, Paul. But I think I think they'll go with who has seniority unless unless one of those rooks just blows everybody out of the water at training camp i do feel like yeah i like that too i i feel like uh monty williams is to a certain extent kind of an old school guy yeah yeah and well, he's, I mean, he's he... gonna make the he's gonna make those those kids earn their minutes and and that's not saying they won't get those minutes but i don't think we're gonna come out of training camp all of a sudden seeing johnson or or Ty Jerome or anybody else shockingly jump into significant rotation minutes. Yeah, and, and that definitely I don't think that was the intent of the season by any means. But and like the way the offseason clearly they, they wanted experience. I mean that's even the way they drafted, which is right. I mean interesting from the standpoint of we drafted guys with experience, but then 
for the purposes of being able to play them and not having the um, learning curve that we've had in previous years under the McDonough regime. And then now we're in a position that the first time in a long time we're not expecting our rookies to actually be a significant part of the rotation. It's comforting, isn't it? It's comforting, but it's just kind of ironic. Yeah. I feel like yeah. more comforting than ironic. Yeah. I mean, we got to the point. We're, we're, we're here with, with a bunch of guys who are now starting to fill what presumably will be legit significant minutes who came in really expecting them to fill legit significant minutes. And now we have a couple we have we have some rooks that have the ability, based on their ten years in college, to come in and play right away, but we don't expect them to, you know? So for me it's it's more comforting than ironic. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Is that it? Your turn. All right. So let's uh first of all, why don't you you showed me Paul showed me a couple of uh mocks of Suns jerseys that could have been better than what they came out with. Yeah, I mean, and I, I want to give a I want to give a quick uh, shout out to uh, Craig A. Hamill out there on Twitter. He's really creative, and he's created a bunch of designs that are kind of really off the wall, and some of them are actually really really cool. But um, the, what Justin was speaking to specifically right now was Sansford and Sons hmm. um, did so. Put together, photoshopped up a handful of more traditional mock-ups of something that the Suns could wear. Kind of marry, weirdly marrying the um, previous jersey design that we had prior to the current set, as well as the everybody's favorite jersey from the uh, '90s. And they actually look pretty solid. You can not check- my favorite, just for the record. What the sunburst jersey is not your favorite? Oh, I already I already commented earlier. If I would want them to go back to the traditional Phoenix on the chest, oh yeah, you want the old old ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The the, with the cowboy lettering. So when you say everybody, most everybody. There you go. Most everybody, but and he put together some interesting designs. Actually, makes the orange kind of work. Um. So. He, these are definitely better than what the Suns have. I'll just tell you that right now, and they should have paid him to do this. Beautiful. Or, or somebody on Twitter who, because there's a million people out on Twitter who are way more creative than apparently whoever the Suns hired. <laughs> way to go, Suns. All right. Let's 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 go one last brief thing, Paul, and then we'll wrap up this episode. All right. All right. Um, all right. Going back to today's media day. Yeah. Now, Devin Booker was asked about all the stuff during the offseason. He came up with the good answer of, I don't really care about that stuff. I just want to focus on my game and win. Good. What I want to focus on, though, maybe not so much focus, but just comment on, is when Monty Williams was asked about what the team's expectations are this year, he said, and this might seem to most people to be Pessimistic? Not pessimistic, but just you know, it's not it's not uh, all that it's it's not all that um, optimistic. Not even optimistic. <laughs> it's just it's just it's just it's it's kind of coach speak, mm-hmm. but but it makes so much sense for this roster for this team, right? 
And when he was asked what the expectations are, he said, and I quote, quote, our expectations are to be able to improve every month, end quote. Thank you. That's, that's, all, that's all we as Suns fans, from my perspective, need is consistent improvement. I don't want somebody sitting there going, we're going to make the playoffs. We know that's probably not going to happen. Probably not going to happen. Probably not. There are, um, some, there are some people out there who have hey, very lofty predictions. I, I And I appreciate those lofty pr- predictions, and I'm not shying away from them. Apparently, but, I'm not the only one who has offered to give up their podcast seat if those <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. if those uh predictions come true our, our boy our, our boy dan's just going to be on everybody's podcast hosting no, no, all, all of them podcasts. are going to be his podcast all podcasts <laughs> but some mergers and acquisitions going on but i just i just <laughs> when you have a team like we've said today like we've said in the past is basically a brand new team roster wise and also a brand new team front office wise and a brand new team coaching staff wise all you can look for is for them to improve right we can't sit here like sitting here and trying to make predictions as to what the suns are or are not going to be doesn't make sense because you don't know you have no baseline to work off of we can't work off of last season i mean i can sit here and be like well the suns are going to do this based on last year and it's the same thing as saying the suns are going to do this based off of what they did in 1994 like it, the the teams are equally comparable. I'm not equally, but okay, that's an exaggeration. But you get what I'm saying. I get what you're saying. Yes, when you when you return what five, maybe six guys, maybe who p- played on last year's team, not even were there the whole season, didn't get to go through training camp. I mean, there. And let's not forget who else didn't go through training camp last year. The coach, Devin Booker. True. True. You know, stupid hand injuries. Which which I still, to this day, say, start them off. Get hurt on company time, heal on company time. There you go. There you go. But, but I mean, ultimately, <coughs> that's what we want to see, is improvement. Month one, teams mel- melging, melging, melding together. Month coming one, together, better be under, above getting, 500. Getting used to each other. Month two, the system that, that Monty Williams has put into place is starting to really resonate with the players. Month three, build on that. Month four, build on that. That's all we can really ask for as Suns fans, I think. And to have a coach that has that recognition, I think, is important. I mean, I feel like, and, and I raise my hand and admit that I was wrong, but Earl Watson... That that dude probably been like, I just want to improve. I just want everybody to love each other. Everybody as a person and make sure that they 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 love one another and become more flexible through all the yoga classes we take. Like I don't I'm done with that. I don't need that. I need a coach that says, I see where our team is. I see where our team wants to go. I see where I want this team to go. I see how and to get there. It's going to take baby steps. In the words of the great Bob from What About Bob? Baby steps. <laughs> right? Baby steps. Baby steps to a better record. Baby steps to the top half of the conference. Baby steps to 
a run in the playoffs. Baby steps to whatever it's going to be. Baby steps to a championship. (laughs) That's all we can hope for. But the first step is the first baby step, Paul. Monty Williams clearly recognizes that. (laughs) I don't know why you're laughing. I'm serious right now. (laughs) Anyway, Paul, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you should just let it be. Just let it go. All right, let's wrap it up. Yeah, Let's wrap it up. Man, that was an epic finish to Fanning the Flames. So. Yeah. Next time we record, we'll probably be at least a preseason game in. Probably. Could be. Could be. Actual basketball to talk about. Could be two weeks into the regular season. Who knows? We're the most wanted commodity in Suns podcasts. Just remember that. No, excuse me. The rarest Rarest commodity. commodity. Totally different topic. Totally different, different ideals right there. But rarity plus desire equals value value tons of value so the most valuable podcast you can get, <laughs> you can find me on twitter so says jay paul i'm at dervish of world and the pod is at fan the flames nba and since i didn't say at the beginning we are on all the major platforms where you can find podcasts subscribe to us on there like us on there comment on us on there comment about us on there whatever you want Intro, outro music provided by Oceans Over Airplanes. Check them out over at oceansoverairplanes.com. They actually changed the name of the band. I'll update everybody who cares next episode. And until next time, depending on when you're listening, thank you for listening and have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good, good evening. Night. Oh, Paul. Just wanna-